This episode of Good Sheilas discusses sexual and gendered violence. Considering the saturation of this topic at the moment, please check in with yourself to see if, whether today is the right day or if you want to listen to it. Fun fact about Claire. One day, Claire came to my house after I made some healthy nut and dark chocolate treats that the internet recommended as an after-dinner <laughs> snack of one. Claire tasted one and decided that they were the most delicious things she'd ever eaten. So she ate basically all of them, <laughs> which was fucking rude. And because they were about 60% pure coconut oil, Claire texted me later that night asking if I too had violent diarrhea. <laughs> And I did not. <laughs> one. It's one of any. It's like shit. It's one of anything. <laughs> Who buys one not car by seven? <laughs> Experience violent financial diarrhea. Smashable. <laughs> smash, smash, smash. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Good Sheilas, the podcast that will turn your stomach and warm your heart as we reflect on what makes all of us tick. I'm Bron, a Melbourne comedian. And I'm Claire, a human rights lawyer. And we're long-time friends, short-time mums and lifetime dickheads. Each episode we tackle something in the media as well as something in life that's kicked us in the guts. So strap yourselves in, mongrels, and get ready for Good Sheilas. Hello, mate. <gasps> Good day, mate. How are you going? I'm very, very well. How are you? Oh, that's yeah, good. What What are we talking about today, mate? Give me the D I L, the L I D. None of those um, acronyms. L I T. Today's episode, we're going to talk about feeling tired that we continue to carry the load as women for changing the way that men treat us. Yeah, mate, we're, we're all pretty knackered and we know you are too. And we all feel like we're shouting into a void and that nothing is changing. And we're going to talk about what that feels like. Mm, yeah. And it was like, we were always going to discuss this. It's not, it's really, it would be very strange if we avoided a topic like this. Yes. Um, the one thing that people probably can't expect when with us talking about this is that we're going to make it funny. <laughs> I don't no, think, sorry. I think we're all too angry to be funny. Yeah, we'll try though. We I can will make try. a joke about um about um not sexual not, violence. Nothing. You cannot. <laughs> exactly. You, can, you, can you cannot. would be an it's absolute fuckwit if you did. Because it's not funny. But we it's will we'll do our best to to put a beautiful sandwich around this shit show of a shit yeah. sandwich. Yeah. So <laughs> before we before we talk about um, the Tom fuckery that is the world today, um. What has been happening with you, Claire, in your personal life as a mother? Oh, oh great. I love I love this conversation topic. <laughs> so I had a really um, a really interesting experience in the schoolyard. So Stevie, my oldest, is in grade one and um, she's, she's a bit of a weird unit, just like I'm a bit of a weird unit. We're beautiful, weird units. And, um, so and I just, so yeah, very, very funny, very fun. Um, lots of lots of boyfriends. Not <laughs> just <laughs> and, socially um, so easy to just yes, so uh, easy slip to get in. along with. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I'm just joking. We're fine. Um, but um, so sometimes before school, you get to hang out in the schoolyard a little bit, which is such a lovely treat after COVID, right? Socialising with people and engaging with people. It's just such a blessing. Anyway. Well, maybe for you, Steve. not for anyone you're socialising with. Exactly. They're like, oh, no, here comes that lady again. <laughs> Where's coronavirus? Eat a bat. I miss it. <laughs> Quick, someone have sex with that wombat. <laughs> how did it start? It's hard to know. All right. So what? So you, how is this socialising going for you? And then the wombat. No, I'm so I was. <laughs> so I was watching Stevie play before school with these two little girls, and um, aka like two little fucking dick bags, um, and they were playing fine. And then um, they turned around to Stevie and they said, you can't play with us because you're stinky. And she went back in them and she's like, but I'm, I'm not stinky. And they're like, you can't play with us, stinky. And she walked away, like, looking so dejected. Oh. And I was like, I'll fucking murder those bitches. Yes, and I picked her up and, and she was really upset. Like, she was, like, trying not to cry. So, you know, when they try not to cry and they're embarrassed oh, the and they're quivering. Oh, my God. I just wanted to just protect her and cocoon her and put her back in my womb. And, um, don't, do like, that. don't do that. That's how coronavirus started. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> I'm patient zero. Um, and um, and um, I was like, and, and this is this is where it's also a bad parenting moment because I was like, Stevie, I'll kill them. Do you want me to kill them? <laughs> She's like, no, Seriously, don't kill them. I'm the like, worst. but I'll kill them. And then I was like, okay, this is not good parenting. This is not really good anything. You don't threaten to kill people. That's not that's not a fun party. And then I was like, sweetie, it's not okay for people to be mean to you. Like, it's okay if you could tell those girls that you you hurt their feelings. You're like, oh, I bet you go up to them and you just explain that that wasn't a kind thing to do. And I put her down and she walked away and I was like, fucking little dumb bitches, fucking dead bitches. Where's Did my mum? Fucking kill their mum. <laughs> so intense like had this intense reaction where it's like i they will uh, they will pay they will pay yeah i think that's really normal though like it's when you see someone mean to your kid i don't yeah. think anyone reacts fine to that it's like that's okay she's learning like you're like excuse me you did not just do that i know i'm yeah. 34 and you're seven but i will fucking slash your bike tires yeah exactly <laughs> oh my god it's like have you had an experience like that where you've just like desperately wanted to like cocoon your child from tiny uh, well, little psycho aggro children? Yeah, well, I mean, like there's so I haven't really seen it happen firsthand, but I um, but like when Olive comes home from school and she says, "Oh, this you know, these girls were mean to me," or "This girl said this to me," I feel I'm like I can find myself getting too involved I'm like well Mm. she doesn't sound like a nice girl and you should just avoid her completely and this is why little like this is why little girls like that are mean it's because probably she's not very happy with herself and and then it's just like well I just need to just tell her just that's okay just play with someone else like you know sometimes when you're tired and you're and you're sensitive and your kid said "Ah, something hurt me today you're like, great. How do I how do I wound that kid so badly that they yeah, know exactly. to never how fuck with do, my kid where again? Where do they live, and how <laughs> runny will my poo be so I can poo in their letter box? <laughs> I'm going to I grab need coconut some oil slice. <laughs> 
but like it's also exactly. really hard to separate the like I often find like reading into the situation as an adult is really is is really easy too because I'm like that I'm like you know they're probably you know they're probably actually really frightened and aggression is the only way that they know how to communicate their feelings and also this is a symptom of the patriarchy because women that like we're set to bring each other down Jeez. all this stuff and Steve is just like looking at me like they called me stinky <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it's, it's like and I'm over de-escalate. it just like just make it just talk about how it feels it's not okay and and give her the kind of the resilience to move on don't like make it this huge big thing but it's impossible to just step back as an adult and just be like I'm at peace and this is a normal part of growing up because you want to kill yeah. those tiny little yeah shippers. and you also remember what it was like to be at school when ki- when people oh, were horrible to you like you just remember horrible. like we had with this horrible thing in primary school where um and it was the group of girls would decide on the day which girl would be the victim of having to be run away from. So um, the girls would all whisper Mm. and decide, oh, it's going to be, you know, Brooke today. And then um, everyone would be standing, you know, outside at lunchtime and then one of the girls would say, one, two, three, go. And everyone would be waiting for it except for Brooke. And everyone would sprint away and Brooke would be standing there like a sack of shit and trying desperately not to cry or just like openly crying depending on how sad they were that day or how how much it hurt their feelings. And then we would roll laughing and then the next day we'd all act like it didn't happen and then we'd do it to another girl. And remember the day it happened to me, I was so upset. Like I was, I I finally realised how like embarrassing and like the like the betrayal of it all like I could feel it throughout my whole body I remember exactly where I was standing I remember what I was wearing I could remember what I you know exactly what I could see in that situation and just like that hot shame and that is what unfortunately that's just it's not like oh it doesn't happen anymore of course it happens but uh, and it's every gonna hurt. day. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna hurt him. Like it's kids are like kids are ten out of ten massive dicks. So they vicious. Yeah, they they don't real, but they don't realize how much they're hurting someone until um, they and actually get hurt them. themselves, and maybe hopefully they become a little bit more empathetic. But until then, they're just like dead set cunts for ages. <laughs> <laughs> So, and the other thing is, like, I, I really, like, you know, we, you, you and I talked about this before personally, like, you, we are the only advocates, really, for our kid. For everyone else, they're just another kid, right? So we're the only yeah. ones who can really stand up for them and talk for them. So there's a space and a reason for us to get so enraged, but I probably shouldn't have stolen no. that kid's bike and chucked it on the <laughs> roof. That was... That was an overreaction. It was. Show you who's stinky you and who can't get home, fucking Anthea. <laughs> it's you. <laughs> also, maybe she did stink. Was she covered in your diarrhea? <laughs> like, maybe give her a bath, you piece of shit. Oh, gosh. Okay, so, Claire, let's shift the tone now. We're going to shift it because we've got a lot to talk about. Yeah, shit it up the wall. Okay, so... This is where it gets a bit serious, okay? So, in the last few weeks, we've watched a tide of rage and exhaustion flow out of the women in Australia. We have, and we're indebted to the women who have spoken up, even though they knew they were safer in silence. And we've also said goodbye to more who have died because of the hands of men. 
And this has come to the forefront of our media recently. Uh, we've had Brittany Higgins calling out the most powerful government party in Australia for covering up her rape. We've had our Attorney General, Christian Porter, denying he raped a teenage girl 30 years ago, despite him being a notorious creep within notorious. Australian politics. Notorious. Yeah, it's famous for it, you piece of shit. And we've had Grace Tame, the most recent recipient of the Australian of the Year Award, for fighting for to legally tell her story around her horrific sexual abuse as a child. And internationally, we've had poor Sarah Everard, the woman mm. who was brutally murdered on her walk home by a police officer. These stories should be rare for anyone, but they're mm. not, and particularly not for women. Women are still made every day to feel threatened and unsafe and to be made responsible for those feelings. Violence against women is a daily occurrence, but by people we know and strangers. We seem to be enforced to swallow a pill of duty when it comes to the patriarchy. And this abuse is a symptom of the inequality that we continue to suffer. Hmm. And we're feeling uh, what most of you are we're furious we're devastated we're disappointed and we're really fucking tired yeah so so tired you know we're we're carrying a weight of just not responsibility but experience um between both of us are multitudes of damaging experiences with men and we don't talk deeply about them on our show because it is so it's so personal and it feels so dangerous to speak about um, in our stories, there's sexual and physical violence, intimidation and coercion. And there are daily microaggressions that we navigate as being women in a community for men, by men. Um, the ways we mitigate our behaviour, what we say and how we move in the world to be safe. And we carry that grief and that fear as we live our lives and trying to raise our daughters in a world that we hope can be just a bit better. But lately we felt that it isn't changing. Yeah, just a bit. Come on, like just shift in one direction and it is just not. Mm. Like we, we are, feels like we are stuck. Otherwise, it feels like we are going backwards. Mm. And today we're talking about our experiences of being silenced, of feeling the pressure to change the conversation and make things better and how these expectations are playing out in our lives. So we want to emphasize as well, gender inequality is a driver of violence. Violence is a symptom. Um, And we're taught every day from an early age in the ways that we interact with the world to be compliant and delicate and submissive in all of our interactions every day in our lives. Like starting when we're, you know, when when we're tiny babies and when we're dressing our own children, you go into a shop, you know, we posted something earlier in the week from Big W, like, you know, all the chain stores. The boys close the label with things like legend and genius and heartbreaker and they they're all about strength and you know and being mm. in charge and little girls mm. clothes are daddy's little girl princess and sweetheart they're about submission and compliance and being gentle so gentle they're so offensive <laughs> and that hasn't it hasn't changed it's been like that they would have been clothes like that when we were little oh, definitely. and their clothes are still definitely like that and this seems 
quite innocuous. It's, it's fine. It's applying certain, what's the big deal? Applying certain colors and adjectives to tiny little kids and none of them are necessarily bad things like a legend or someone who loves their dad or a sweet little girl, but it's actually not okay. The act mm-hmm. of labeling genders with either gentle or assertive qualities is a microaggression that allows children to understand their place in the world. Like boys are tough and made for leadership and girls are delicate and made for objectification. Mm. And so uh, it begins, it begins so young. It begins in our little kids and how they treat one another and how we treat them. And then in our young people and our middle-aged, like us and our experiences every day. And then we age and it starts all over again, these patterns of inequality and violence. So here are some recent stats from our watch um, to kind of paint a better picture for all of you about the the impact of gender inequality in our community. So we have one woman a week on average murdered by her current or former partner, that's people they know, and one in three Australian women has experienced physical or sexual violence perpetrated by a man since the age of 15, since they were children. Children, one in three, it's bananas. Almost 10 women a day are hospitalised for assault injuries perpetrated by a spouse or domestic partner. Almost one in 10 women have experienced violence by a stranger since the age of 15. Young women between 18 and 24-year-olds experience significantly higher rates of physical and sexual violence than women in older age groups. But gender inequality goes, you know, beyond young people, of course. But um, in the number of women making calls to elder abuse helplines across Australia exceeds men with emotional and financial abuse most commonly reported. And as we talked about, um, women who are older are far more likely to become homeless, experience, experience housing instability and, um, and um, destitution and poverty as older women. So the research shows that gendered abuse does not discriminate any age. We see it... Uh, from t- from like tiny tiny people all the way through to when we're old, it is not just these. It's just young, attractive women who are being targeted. It is it is a gendered thing of all ages. So women at any age are less powerful than men, and this inequality breeds all type of gendered abuse. And none of this is shocking, right, mates? Like you've been hearing none. it for years. None of you listening yeah, this- to this are like, wow. We're investigative journalists. They're uncovering all the secrets. They're blowing the lid. (laughs) Bron and Claire are modern-day detectives and Good Shields will surely win a Nobel Peace Prize for such groundbreaking journalism. No, we won't because all of this is known. We know. And that's part of the problem, right? It continues and we've learned that in all of these big acts of violence and tiny microaggressions and examples of inequality and horrifically violent acts they're just part of being a woman and the powers that be the dominant people in our community constantly tell us through their actions their words their behaviors that we matter less oh my gosh all the time this and the most recent news is such fine examples of this mm-hmm. so the march for justice marches uh and on march 15 which is this week and time of recording around australia that happened with, with the government um presence was 
outrageously low. Mm-hmm. So women around Australia were feeling an overwhelming sense of exhaustion with and rage about this issue, gendered violence. And the government's response was pure apathy. Apathy. Yeah, you're right. Apathy. And a little bit, not just apathy, but annoyance, right? Like, oh, yeah. they had the opportunity to stand up and say, hey, we believe you and we see you and we're going to do something about this. But, but, mate, what did they actually do? Oh, Claire, they went to their meetings. Oh, they good. had meetings on. They had meetings, meetings, meetings. They were very important <laughs> good. meetings. So important. You could not reschedule. I think that's against the law to reschedule a meeting. I think it is. Rescheduling mm. illegally It's not going to happen. <laughs> Seriously, guys, fuck off. Because they did this because if they did attend, they would be admitting that there is a problem. And they mm. didn't do that because then they would have to face the tomfuckery that is happening in their own party. They would be yeah. giving Brittany the nod that she actually was a victim of harm and they would be agreeing that Porter actually is a predator. And they couldn't do that. They couldn't do that. They, the whole time they have just, they've had, they've towed the party line, been like, this isn't a problem. And even though like there's been more and more evidence that have come out to support Brittany Higgins' claim to show that the party kind of did sweep this under the rug, it was they they were still they still are saying we didn't look it's not a big deal yeah. look it's not a big deal and if they attended they'd be admitting there was a problem yeah. and that was super uh, such a dumb move for them and it is absolutely infuriating for mm. the women at that march or the women of australia or women everywhere yeah yeah and so the national gremlin our boyfriend um peter dutton hey peter he you suck hey peter, <laughs> he he'll be listening for sure good hey, peter. um <laughs> He was well and truly a major player in brushing the Brittany Higgins rape under the rug. He didn't really, t- he had a number of t- responsibilities involved in this and he just kind of didn't do- act on a lot of these things. And on the day of March for Justice, um, Albanese was delivering a speech mm. about the Brittany Higgins rape mm. case in Parliament mm. and Dutton stood up, strolled over and interrupted and asked for Albanese to no longer be heard because he was sick of listening to it. He didn't want to hear about it. Of all days, on the March for Justice Day, he said, I've heard enough. Like, I'm finished. Uh, I've finished with this. And this is, I I guess, what we talked last week about the link between kind of institutions of where where people are really privileged and how they feed into the, the, you know, the the government and the highest echelons of our community. And they're protecting their own. They're doing this because they're protecting their domain. They're saying when they are silencing women, when they're trying to speak out about their experiences, they're not They're not commenting to the community. They're commenting to each other. They're saying, it's all right, mates, we're going to keep each other safe. Because they all are aware on some level that they are part of the problem, but they believe that they are entitled to be in the positions that they are. And our culture of meritocracy has allowed them to be there. And so now we're all standing up as women saying, actually, fuck this. Our entire lives, we're mitigating our behavior. We're hiding ourselves. We're stepping away because we're safe. We're not safe and we're scared. And they're like, nah, we don't care. We enjoy our empire. It, 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 it just, it was, it's baffling to me because the Liberal Party have never really, um, they've never really shown a great deal of, um, I guess, empathy and understanding for anyone um anyone who's less than a rich white bloke Mm -hmm. but this has been I feel like this has been one of the most brazen moves that they've made 
is to pretend that this is not an issue. Yeah. And when we said before, we listed all of those statistics, like we've heard them a million times, not because we're feminists hmm. or not because we're women, but because this is this is well-known stuff. Yeah. So, And it's not like this, these facts are hidden from these politicians. They understand these. They, they know, know that they're there and they're saying that doesn't really matter. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. And and also like we we posted that that video this morning on Good Sheila's. Some like horrible liberal MP was speaking to Thwaite, I think mm, her name was, yeah, and she yeah. was she was expressing how this is a time where women are really sick of not being listened to. Mm, like she was basically mm. her words were, "We are not being heard, and we're sick of it." And as she's saying this, as she's actually expressing her frustration mm, of not being listened to, mm. this guy I can't even remember his name. If you could probably tell me his name. He said, the same Prime Minister <laughs> who's helped you, blah, blah, and just starts like this drawl of talking over her. And she was furious. She's like, are you actually talking over yeah. me? Are you actually Today, talking over me right now on all this? all days, are you doing on this that? Topic, what are you doing? <laughs> but he's got, he, and he, but this is what the, like, this was such a beautiful moment of, exactly how the Liberal Party is dealing with. Today, of of all days, or this week, or this moment in history, could you not just say... Do you know what? We've made some pretty um, tone deaf comments. Yeah. Or we have... We we, we acknowledge this is a problem. Mm -hmm. We are sorry that um, we didn't turn up to the the march. Um, We... Like anything. Even if they don't mean it, Mm. which is is exactly what they've, like, have made very, very clear... Wouldn't just someone from the Liberal Party to be like, I'll go, yeah, I'll go, and I will, um, you know, like the the you know the deputy prime minister, um, he didn't he didn't go because he had meetings that he couldn't get out of, and he had like the audacity to say, I had responsibilities to attend those meetings, yeah. and I am a staunch believer in sticking to my uh, like schedule or yeah, something. It's like, oh wow, you're trying to take a moral high ground yeah. here. <laughs> How did you do that? How are you able to spin that? It's insane. And the PM, for fuck's sake, the PM saying that it's literally this is what this is what our prime minister said. Women were marching because they're not safe. He said that it was a triumph Mm. of democracy that they were not met with bullets. So was really what the fuck? So you you are lucky that we're not shooting you. Yeah. And so just just FYI, guys, Ben Small, he's a senator from WA. He was chosen to fill the Liberal Party after Matthias Cormann, who's also a shit dick, resigned. Surprise, surprise, he went to Bunbury Cathedral Grammar School. He is not a good bloke. Please just get rid of him, mates. Let's get rid of him. But he won't. He's he's 32, Bron. He's younger than us. He's younger than us. And he still thinks it's okay to talk over a woman about women. But this is this is where we're talking about that age doesn't matter no. anymore. It is it's a general thing. So women don't matter in any age. Mm, yeah, exactly. And then uh, and and men at any age are going to feel this way. We can't we can't give the excuse to the older generation of being like, oh well, that's just. I guess it was the olden days because the olden days, for what I see, they're dead. Like yeah. they're, they're, the people who went through World War One, World War Two, where there was, I feel like there was a real like 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 really uh, strong gender roles and perhaps not as much education around this kind of stuff and feminism hadn't really kind of shot off yeah we can't really give that excuse no there's no there's there's no more of that there's no because we 
yeah, we we talked. Well, like there was just in the news yesterday. The after, I mean, um, the, after the march, um, on the for, on the fifteenth of fifteenth of March, the March for Justice, there was a tramload of women who were leaving the march, feeling quite empowered, feeling like, you know, maybe a little bit hopeful. Yeah. That so many women turned up to this march. This is in Melbourne, and. On that tram, there was a bunch of boys from a private school, and this is not a this is not a single sex private school. This is a co-ed private school. These are boys who sit next to girls in class. This is boys who understand that girls have feelings, yeah. and they um, they started talking. I don't even know what they said, but it was enough. They were saying horrible things well, about the, women. The media isn't reporting it. It's really interesting. I've read so many articles about this, and not in single one did they say what the boys were saying, which means it was pretty but, fucking reprehensible. Yeah. And it was, and so these boys said so many horrible things about women, really derogatory stuff. Enough, enough for the for a, num, um, a number of women to stand up and get off the tram they because safe. they felt they didn't feel safe. It was really, really aggressive. And the tram driver who heard it said, "I'm really sorry about that." It wasn't whispers. It wasn't like just like a general, like a gentle conversation mm. about like some shit point of view. This was boys. At a like young teenage boys, and I mean, it's one thing to say teenage teenagers, their brain's still developing. They don't understand a lot of the things they're saying. They're trying it. They're going for shock factor. They were obviously trying to, you know, be cool in front of their friends. Sure, you can have all of these excuses, uh, like as many excuses as you want for this kind of behaviour. But these are boys who will not be boys forever, no. and they will and they will go up until. They are the like Western Australian <laughs> minister who's sitting there talking over a woman, mm-hmm. or you know, being a rape, uh, you know, like either being a rapist or or, or like, a rape apologist. Someone... Oh, they're the worst. <laughs> but like... so Claire, this this is so I was talking to Lucas about this. Um, and he's like, he's furious about all of yeah, this stuff. Yeah, we love Lucas. I mean, like, there's yeah. not many, there's not many good blokes, but he is one of them. He works really hard to. He takes. He's accountable. He's accountable for what the situation yeah. is, and he he doesn't do it because he has a partner or two children. He does it because it's his responsibility. Yeah, and he 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 has these conversations um, happily, but uh, and he, even though he's exhausted, yeah. he's. Um, He's having these conversations with people who think differently or perhaps or who um, are, quick, are quick to defend. Mm. And so he's saying, no, 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 it's not. This isn't the time to defend. And I don't, I don't want to speak for him. Because, um, but having these conversations with him, I, uh, he's tired. He's like, mm. how? And then there's heaps of blokes, heaps of blokes that are tired. And this is, the, this, is where, this is where it gets kind of tricky. It's like, I'm tired. You're tired. Women are tired. Um, like our allies, our bloke allies, they're tired too, but it needs like. But if it's not if it's not shifting, what like what is the answer to this? And so this is what Lucas was saying this morning to me. He was like, "Great, have this conversation with Claire on the podcast. It's wonderful." But what are you actually? What are you asking people to do? Like, there's one thing to say mm. this is a problem, but is there a solution here? And I said probably the solution is to ask like to have conversations with blokes that you feel safe with to say like what behavior have you noticed yeah. in blokes in your life and that you felt you uncomfortable done? with what have you like yeah. what have you done to to change the narrative what what have you called out and i mean like this like we talk about kind of drivers of gender inequality and they can be just normalizing talking about other women being hot right 
just normalizing mm. like a group of men going over and like talking about women's bodies, objectifying them. That mm. is gender inequality. It's reducing women to the sum of their bodies. It is is it is it talking about them as kind of tools for men's sexual appetite. That's not okay. So if you're mm. a bloke and you're sitting with a group of men and one of those guys, and they invariably will points to a woman and objectifies her, call it out. If you're in, mm. if if you are in a group of men and they say something scathing or unkind about their partner, call it out. Or if they talk mm. to their partner that so in a way that's that's disrespectful, call it out. And we're angry about this because we carry this every day. We feel unsafe when we walk home. We feel unsafe in a room of men to speak up. And you know, we recognise that this is not always because of the men in the room. Again, there are plenty of blokes who are safe, who are respectful, who are kind, but we don't know who they are. And as women who have been repeatedly, repeatedly, from when we were little kids, hurt by the men in our lives, you know, violently and sexually and, and, and emotionally and, you know, financially, like the, we, we, we both have proliferations of these experiences behind us. We, we have to behave expecting that a man might hurt us because they might. And so we carry that in the way that we move and interact every single day. And then we carry this, the onus and the duty to call things out and to try to change the conversation and change the narrative. And you, you, you get to walk around and not be scared. Like this is like, it's even beyond the fact that you get to earn more and that you get to get the job over us and that you get to, you know, move through mm. the world that knowing you are the preferred person. You just get to not be scared. And that, yeah. that, that does actually give you a fucking responsibility to speak up. And yeah, you're tired, but you're not as tired as we are. Mm. Exactly. So one of our one of our excellent listeners, Catherine McClintock, she's been on the podcast before. She, uh, I hope she's okay with me sharing this. She posted on face, um, Instagram the other day a picture of her on a tram, um, and she uh, relayed a story. So she was going on. She was on the tram in the morning, and there was a man who was very like drug affected, and he had a poor, she's assuming really bad mental health. He was kind of pacing up and down the tram, really loud, very aggressive. And on this tram where there were people standing, so that means that there was enough, like a lot of people on this tram, he um, kept targeting a girl in a school uniform, mm. so a teenage girl, and he kept kind of harassing her um, and, you know, singling her out. And I don't know what he was saying to her, but enough for her to feel scared. Mm. It could have been anything. Mm. Could have just, but, it, you know, a, type, a tone of voice is scary. Yeah. And she was without her mates and Catherine, who was scared herself because, you know, he could have been really unpredictable. Yeah. Uh, she said that there was a number of blokes around on that tram and nothing. none of them said anything nothing. to help her. Yeah, a child, right? And We're talking about child. It's because it, 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 it's and but what like what like Catherine was scared because she's a woman. But what is like you know? I guess men would be other men are scared of other men. This is the thing. Like we, we if you you're scared of men, like everyone seems to be scared of men. Yeah, so you're, seeing, it's not like it's not like oh god, men are all men aren't worried about getting hurt. Of course, you like, getting hurt really fucking is the worst. Yeah, getting punched in the face. Is not very nice. My sister did it to me once, and I'll <laughs> never forgive her for it. But would really, <laughs> she's such a mole. But it is like so. It, but this is because there is this aggression and this violence that is seemed to be accepted or expected of men. 
men are also scared of them yeah. and if men are scared of them they're not going to be they're, they're in this position where they're not just trying to act cool maybe they are just trying to avoid an uncomfortable situation because they're scared of the repercussions which could be you know an employment thing or it could be a you know to be cool thing it could be a threat to their masculinity or it could be a threat to their safety and so oh, if i don't i don't know I, I i think i think i get where you're coming from i do but i think i disagree with the framing in that yes there could be ramifications anytime you speak up and speak out there are ramifications yeah. but you have a responsibility as a person in power to yeah. to navigate those power dynamics and help people who aren't even at a cost to you it's just a it's just a fundamental kind of tenet of what we owe each other and if you really believe that the system is broken and needs changing and you really understand that these kind of microaggressions and these you know these these moments of inequality like you know talking like i guess using that's a that's an extreme example where i recognize it would have been quite threatening to step up to somebody who was obviously unwell you know that would have been really difficult to do for anybody but if you're you know, talking to your mates and you're worried that they're going to get you can they're going to think you're less cool if you um if you call them out for some shitty misogynistic behavior, well, that's just the price you pay, right? This is just this is just yeah. the, the cost of your labor. I was talking to a male friend who um who called out. He has a big kind of group chat with a bunch of guys that he went to high school with, and he called out some shitty kind of um, misogynistic behavior towards women. And they will, and some of them were like, "Well, fine, we'll just we'll, we we just don't be in this chat. Take you out of this." Um, take you, mm. take you out. We'll take you out of this space. And he's like, oh, okay. And so they started a new chat without him, and they just took the misogyny elsewhere. And he was like, oh, well, I did the right thing, and that was really uncomfortable. And now I've now I've kind of been precluded from the conversation. But I know that I that I know I know that I called them to account. And like, yeah, there are there are consequences. Maybe you won't be so much fun. But if you really believe that women shouldn't be hurt and harmed you don't even have to believe that they should be ceos we don't even have to believe that they should be you know like in charge or paid the same for whatever reason but i think most of us can really agree that women shouldn't be hurt or harmed at the rates that they are right definitely and if we all if we all recognize that it it doesn't start from like it doesn't go zero to 100 you don't go from like um, loving women to punching them in the face. It's and you can do both. Undermine like, women all the time. This is the fucked thing about it. Men do both. Yeah. And like it, oh. st- it starts. I mean, like again, like if you want to transform, it starts when they're tiny. Like model, model good kind of sharing of the labor at home. Get your little boy to wash dishes, or be the kind of person who chips in with your, you know, with your partner, and show them that, like, that, you know, we're both equally responsible for for labor. Or, you know, get your little boy a t-shirt that says kindness, and your little girl a t-shirt that says I'm in charge. Like, subvert these things and show them from when they're tiny, because that's when we start to learn. Like, it, it, you're right; it's a continuum. It's a continuum of behaviors, but it's hard. We know it's hard, but I guess what we're arguing is that if you're a man. If you're a privileged man, it is your responsibility to do this. Yeah. Yeah. If you feel safe, if you feel safe, I don't think that it's like if you, because there's some people you're just never going to ever get across the line. You're never going to get them across the line. Wonderful to challenge them, but only if you feel safe in doing so. Mm. I think, and and this is for women as well. I think it, it is totally unfair to say, and this is what a lot of people have noticed on social media. A lot of people are saying, um, 
we need to speak up and speak out when someone's shit, tell them their shit. It's like, well, that's wonderful to say that. But if there's a guy who is actually terrifying. Yeah. Or there's a guy who uh, you you genuinely feel unsafe around, that is not, you are not the person to do yeah. that. And you do not, you should not feel that that is your role yeah. to do that. There's got to be, there's got to be, um, you know, someone who would feel a little bit less um, scared of that person. But um, I don't think that, you know, because women are tired, I don't think this is our responsibility to do it. But I think there's got to be more blokes out there because we're talking, there's a lot of things, um, a lot of people are saying, um, you know, one in three women have have experienced sexual violence Mm. or physical violence since age of 15. And then they're saying, um, but then there's like people saying, great, so if we know that many women where are the where blokes are the, men? Are the blokes yeah. who are doing it you know like how does no bloke know a rapist yeah uh, you know how is this spoiler possible? alert you fucking do <laughs> you definitely, you definitely do, do. and it's not just a rapist you know you know you know a guy who is violent towards his partner you know a guy who is like who is emotionally abusive towards his partner you know a guy who promotes you know, the blokes over the women at work. Like, these are all examples of gendered violence and gender inequality. Like, you know these people. Maybe you are one of these people and that self-reflection is fucking, would be really intense to kind of recognise because as human beings, yeah. we we tend to see ourselves as the hero of all of our stories. But um, I, I think, you know, I, I think the, the broader point to make is, yes, there are going to be some situations where you don't feel safe to speak, speak up. And of course, that's okay. But 95% of the time, it's going to be those microaggressions, those little examples of, of violence. And those are going to be the ones where you actually have a duty to intervene. Yeah. Well, or a bloke does. A bloke. Yeah, yeah, not women. Yeah, we we do that fucking enough every single day. And it's also really exhausting having to explain it. Exhausting. I'm tired. Like, that's a shit thing to do. Yeah. So any blokes who listen or any, you know, women that are listening, whoever, if you have a bloke in your life who you know is he's keen to make some changes, who is also tired of this, uh, then you, this is, this is the way that they can help call out shitty things yeah. when they see it. Um, like, you know, don't speak over a woman, especially if she's trying to talk about how hard it is to be heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a cool thing That's to really do. That's really cute. <laughs> Yeah, just and just listen. listen. Just and also, if you've been a bit of a shit dick in the past, it's okay to make mistakes. Mm. It's okay to be like, "Fuck, I didn't." When I was a private school boy, I was a shit dick, and mm. I feel bad about that now. And I recognise that that was instead of being going straight for the defensive. Being defensive is not helpful no. right now. No, it is not it helpful is not, right now. It is. It's actually such a kick in the dick for everyone for someone to be like. Well, I've never raped someone. Not all men. <laughs> yeah. Fuck off. Fuck off. It's Actually, listen, fuck off. And yes, and all men. Yes, all men. I'm sorry, but it doesn't. If you if you benefit from the system, you are part of the system. And if you are particularly a straight white man, you benefit from the system every single day. So yes, all men. You are all responsible for making the world a better place. And again. Not just because you have daughters or female partners, because you are a human being and we are human mm. beings and we all deserve to be safe and respected. That's right. Mm. All right, Claire, let's finish it off because we have busy women. I've got some men to fight. <laughs> and 
I this has been a big episode. Yes. Um, we hope that everyone is feeling supported. We hope that everyone is feeling empowered rather than just completely flat. Even though I'm sure everyone's feeling a mixture of both. Um, we are fighting a good fight, and this is a. I think this is a really huge moment in yeah, history where. It feels like we're not going anywhere, but surely, surely, surely we, are. we better fucking be, mate, because I'm tired. <laughs> tired. All right, we've been good, Sheila's. Bye. Love you guys. Bye.